In fact, I'd like to, you know, this whole series is called God in Us. And uh, I just feel led right now to have us just savor that thought for a moment. So easy to say it and not get on the inside of it. So right now, just look within and, and, and maybe even think this thought or, or whisper this thought. God is in me. God is in me right here and right now. Right here. You have dwelling within you the spirit of Jesus. Jesus dwells in you right now, in his fullness right now. The creator of heaven and earth dwells in you right here and right now. Just re- saturate, let that truth saturate your being. You are filled with perfect love, the one who is perfect love right now. He's fused himself with you. Hmm. You're at no disadvantage being 2,000 years removed from the incarnate Christ because he's in you. He was with the disciples, but now he dwells in you. He dwells in you. A pure love, he dwells within you. You have within you right now an infinite reservoir of the life of God yearning to well up and spring out of you with the fruit of the kingdom and the treasures of the kingdom. Just receive that as fact. It's hard to, if you get on the inside of that truth and make it part of your identity, it's really hard to stay in a bad mood for too long. You know, the world may suck, but you've got God in you, so it's going to be okay. You know, it's, a, it, it, it's a profound truth. It's good that he go away. He himself said this. You know, it's good that I depart. You're sad, but you shouldn't be because if I go away, well then, if I don't go away, then the comforter can't come. I am with you, he says in John 14, but I shall be in you. And there he, he imparts a, a deeper knowledge, experiential knowledge of who he really is than could be gotten from him being next to you in a physical form. He's in us in spirit. And uh, that's what this series is about. The Holy Spirit is here. Hey, before I get going, I want to give a testimony and then address a, 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 a short topic. Uh, and then we'll get into the, the message. Here's a testimony. I just got to say this because I'm so blown away by this. i just so excited. So last weekend, I just felt God was getting us drunk. It was like we're being saturated with, with, with uh, the, the spirit. And um, hanging out with Fred and Rob, who I introduced to you uh, this, this, uh, last week, that was just was so energizing. These guys have a spirituality that's just contagious, and uh, it just uplifts your faith. And maybe it was for that reason that this happened. Uh, after the service, uh, I and Rob and Fred were up, up over in this corner. People were coming up asking questions and praying and things like that. Well, this one lady came up. She may be here t- uh, tonight, um, today, but, um, and, and I think she was Korean, but I'm not sure. But I think she was. And uh, she spoke very broken English. But she made it clear that 
uh, over the last 10 years, she's been suffering from chronic pain, and it's getting worse and worse, and the doctors can't seem to be, do anything about it. Um, she has chronic pain in her neck, in her shoulders, and in, in, in her back. And having gone a couple of years with chronic pain myself, I know what a curse that feels like. And, and people who are in chronic pain, you may have known people like this, um, they, uh, there often is sort of a, a, a fragileness to them. They because you're always walking in a way to, to make sure that you don't do anything that's going to intensify the pain. So there's a kind of a, a tentativeness, fragility, I'd say. And she had that. And all, sometimes you can see pain on her face. And you can see that in, in this lady as well. It's kind of a, a, just a, a wince of sorts. And so she shared this with me. And so I just began to pray. Now, the minute I started praying, I sensed something different. Um, there was, I felt like there was more authority here. Or, and I don't know why, you know, it's a complex world, all too many variables. But in this moment, uh, I just felt a, a confidence and an authority. I don't think I've prayed as confidently as I did with her for the last, I don't know how many years. But there's just a sense of, you know, we're going to conquer this thing. And so I began to pray. And I began to rebuke anything in the spiritual realm that may be uh, aggravating this or causing this. And, and began to stand under the authority of the cross and speak wholeness into her life and command the, the body to line up right. And, you know, just the way that you see Jesus praying in the, in the Gospels. It wasn't a kind of a timid, Lord, if this be your will, that just happened. No, we know what his will is. And so let's attack this sucker. And so I, I'm going after this thing. And... Uh, uh, and then I stop after about two minutes, something I don't usually do, and I ask her, how's it going? And you're like, uh, I, what are you sensing? Are you feeling anything? And, and so she kind of started bending her neck a little bit. And it was almost like she was afraid to do it, but she kind of was testing out things in, in, in her, her, her shoulders and stuff. And, and she goes, in a very broken English, if it's flying away, it's, all, it's flying away. It's flying away. It's flying away. Yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, so, it was so beautiful. And um, then... Um, so I, I said, so it's not completely gone? It, it, where is there still pain? And she says, I got some here, right here. And then and she says, my lower back. So I put my hands on, on, on her and start doing the same thing. Praying and rebuking, taking authority over all of that. And then at one minute, she's, after about a minute or so, she starts to just like celebrate. It, it, it's, it's flying away. It's flying away. It's, fly, it's gone. It's flying away. And, and she's like bending her neck, you know. And, and uh, yes, praise God. It, it, I just love it. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'll admit to you, that uh, I, I have, out of obedience, I keep pressing toward the direction we're supposed to press, and I envision it. I think that's what faith is all about. Uh, but in my ministry, uh, I, this is only the second time I've ever seen a person healed as I'm praying for them. Um, and, and I don't know why it was this time as opposed to some other time. Maybe it's because I was praying with more expectation. But I've had so many times where I always believe that every prayer leaves, leaves a person more kingdomized than they were before. And so I, I trust James when he says that the prayer of God's people uh, is powerful and effective. So I'll hold it powerful and effective whether I see it or not. But it sure is nice to see it. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you don't see it time and time and time again, it's hard to keep on expecting it. You see what I'm saying? Now, I don't think we can ever be certain unless God gives us a word of knowledge, certain of the outcome of something. I don't think we're supposed to pretend that we're certain when we're not certain. I really think that gets screwed up. Um, but uh, um, when you don't ha have many results from this, it's hard to have any kind of expectancy. But when it happens, it's like, well, you get discouraged so much that it's, when it, I'll admit that when this happened, I was surprised. <laughs> it's like, it worked! <laughs> There really is a God? You can't. Wow! 
Uh, no, no, but it, it, it just, it's like, oh. And see, I, I, the greatest disconnect I think I have in my own life, and I think this church body as a whole, is that we as a body believe uh, that, that these things are for today. We're not like the cessationists who think, oh, that was just for the first century, and they got all the goodies, and now we have to just kind of go on our own. Uh, no, this is stuff that's for today. I think the church of the book of Acts is the model of how the church today is supposed to operate. God still talks. God still is active. The spirit is still real. The spirit is, can still heal. And, and it, it, it's his will for us. To do everything Jesus did, and Jesus healed a lot of people. Um, and I keep pressing towards that direction. And, and so when you see something like, I want to see more of that. And, and not because it's cool, or wow, or neat, or look how spiritual, it's none of that. It's because healings, it's a restoration of creation. It's a testimony to what God is up to in this world. Uh, it, he's moving us towards the kingdom. It's the already missed the not yet. In a broken word, world, God wants people healed for his glory, to bring others to Christ. And this is one of the ways that we evangelize and proclaim his, his glory. Yes, we do it by our character and by service and by loving others, and that's the highest priority. But God also wants it to be shown through healing and manifestations and miracles and signs and wonders, just like happened in the book of Acts. Lord, come. Lord, send out your power like we just saying. Send, send it out like a rushing wind, like a burning flame. Uh, that's, that's kind of what the series is about. Uh, not, it's on all aspects of the spirit, but this is the, the area where I think we uh, need to grow the most in. But praise God. I thank God for all the things that have happened. Our prayer teams you know, report frequently of uh, people being healed from various things, delivered from various things. It's just like, Lord, we want more. We want a double portion. Keep on teaching us and making us open to this and being used by you. Okay. Amen. So last week, uh, Fred and Rob were here, and, and uh, I just felt it was, all three services were very different. As you come to expect these guys, they just go however it flows. But uh, I, I, I just felt the presence of God, not just in that service, but they spoke with a number of other groups that we have here, and uh, it was awesome. Uh, and over, overall, I just heard overwhelmingly wonderful feedback. But I did receive a couple of emails um, that were of people who were concerned about several things that were said. And I'd actually like to address those, because my assumption is that if one person has a concern, there must be a dozen or more who also had that concern, but just didn't express it. And I, I don't, I, I, I thank the few of you who wrote in with your concerns, because it shows you care about the church. And I, and I, I take that as, as real positive feedback. So here's the thing. We all, as I sometimes say around here, we, we all have maps of the territory, but our maps are never identical with the territory. We all have a grid through which we interpret things. And that grid um, is informed by our past experiences and a number of other things. But our past experiences are really kind of a thing that ground it. And every one of these maps has triggers in them. And by triggers, I mean because of the past experience, something can be said or done and it causes your brain to have a reaction, uh, positive or negative. But it's a little bit like this. So the first church I was saved in was this legalist Pentecostal church. And uh, I was in it for, uh, well, four years, but the last two was just kind of to get Shelly and then to get out. But uh, <laughs> I'm a real spiritual guy, you know. But uh, when, I, when we finally left that hyper-legalistic church, um, certain words just... I instinctively put up my guard when I heard those words. Didn't even know I was doing it. But like, for example, uh, the Lord told me. Yeah, see, when, well, for several years, and maybe it still lingers a little bit today, but when someone says, the Lord told me, um, what gets triggered in my mind is I saw 
a lot of abuse done with that phrase. Uh, it was most of all the, the master manipulator. Uh, it was a way of yeah, ending a conversation and getting your way. How do you argue with God? This guy's got a pipeline to the Almighty and <laughs> he throws down the card. Well, the Lord told me this. How do you argue with God? You know, and, uh, um, and I've always believed that God still talks to people, but now I get suspicious when everyone says it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. But it's because of my past experience. It, it, it triggers me. Or I bet some of you can understand this. Those of you who are not from this background won't know, or maybe won't know what I'm talking about, but those of you who are will get it immediately. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, in my background, that word meant speaking in tongues, and, and th th that meant that you were saved. Or in other Pentecostal churches, it's, uh, that word means that you spoke in tongues. And at least now you're full. Before you were half empty, but now you're part of the, uh, we're all full club. And, and so you're at least, you know, in the special club category or you're in the safe category. Uh, but see, that, that kind of belief system can result in some pretty bizarre things. Because you have people trying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which means they're trying to speak in tongues. And all their loved ones are trying to help them. And so there's these altar services where people come up to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what you have there are people you know, getting around them. And they're sincere. I, I think they're misguided, but they're very sincere. Um, but uh, they're shouting at them. And, and the, the music's going and they're rocking back and forth. I, every Sunday night we had this at our, our church. And, and some folks are saying, you just got to let go. Let go. Let God. Others are saying, hold on to God. Hold on. You know, let go. Hold on. Hold and, and And then you have people, and I'm not exaggerating, you, you Pentecostals probably... Some of you can confirm this. Uh, you're around people, you're praying for them, God give them the gift, God give them whatever. And, and the person's begging for it. Our church, people had to beg for a gift. What's wrong with that picture? Please, God, give me this spirit, I want to be safe. No, I'm going to keep it to myself for a little while. Beg, for, beg a little more. It was, uh, if it's a gift, you have to, what kind of gift do you have to beg for? Anyways, uh, and, and some people are like grabbing their jaws. Have you ever seen that? Hallelujah. Come on, just hallelujah. Come see my maroon bow tie and ride my economy Yamaha. You know, and, and <laughs> trying to get the. <laughs> we said, well, I skid on my knee and I ride my Honda. All right. So, and, you know, and see, that's where you get all, It's just. And so it can't happen if that's your background. You hear those words, it's like, oh no, are we becoming that kind of weird, weird, weird church? Because one of the things we're going to cover later on is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So last week, for example, uh, Fred and, and Rob talked about uh, like being led by the Spirit, sometimes interrupting your plans to go and minister to a neighbor, love on them, something. And what some people, or maybe one or two, or maybe 200, I don't know, but Coming from a certain background, what they hear is, oh no, we're, we're, we're going to become a, a church that is into street evangelism, which is where you go out and you get, work through various awkward conversations to try to get the person, the, the person is basically your, your little salvation project, and your job is to get them saved and moved on. You know, it's kind of hard sales, Jesus style. Not really Jesus style, but hard sales evangelism. And since they, 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 they feared that that's kind of what we were, the road that we were going down. Um, some heard their testimonies about various miracles happening. Uh, they, what they heard is, were worried about is that, are we going to become one of those churches that are, that's sort of enamored with the sensational, enamored with miracles, you know, chasing revivals, wanting to see angel dust come down from the ceiling and our, our fillings to turn gold? And is that the kind of church we're going to become? Based on that phrase. Um, and for others, they, when they heard that we need to always be listening to the Spirit, 
that triggered a button for the buzzer for them because they were wondering if we're going to go down the road that their last church was at where people were supposed to pray about every decision they make. Oh, Jesus, what kind of shirt should I wear? Oh, Jesus, should I wear the white socks or the, or the black socks? Holy Spirit, is it Cheerios or, or, or cornflakes, you know? <laughs> and uh, so for those who have had any kind of concern from last week, I just want to say this. I, I know uh, Rob and Fred, I feel like I know them really well now. We have a lot of talk on theology and all sorts of things. Uh, we don't put people in the pulpit that we haven't thoroughly vetted. All right? we, don't, we have in the past not been sufficiently vetting, but we've learned from that. So now people get vetted. Um, and, and so here, here's the thing. I, I, Rob and Fred don't approve of street evangelism. In fact, in two of the three services, they said that explicitly. Um, but... Unfortunately, we can only post one, so you didn't hear the other two. Uh, I wonder if they're available. Check that out with somebody who knows something, and, and uh, we can get all three. But uh, they, they, they really disapprove of that precisely because it makes people a project. Uh, and, and they should never be a means to an end. Uh, they explicitly said that we don't drive to get to the bottom line. In fact, Rob said that the bottom line, would you believe in Jesus now? Jesus never did that. You know what I said? He doesn't like heal a person and they say, now you believe in me? How about you now you believe in me? He doesn't do that. They, they need sight, so he prays and gives them sight, and then he moves on. He wasn't overly concerned with that. And that's what Rob said, is that um, our job is not to get them to the bottom line. Our job is just to love them and serve them the way the Spirit leads us, the way that they need it, the way that they express it. And that is an end in and of itself. The kingdom doesn't love people for another reason. It just loves people as an end in and of itself. That's our job. Amen. Amen. And so uh, it's not about turning people into any kind of project. They're, they totally disagree with that. And they're totally against the idea of chasing miracles for the sake of miracles, for the wow, to be enamored with them, uh, you know, the sensations, the miracles, if they happen, they happen, but we're not to be shooting for that. We're shooting for love and we're shooting for service. Uh, and um, uh, there's nothing about that, that that says that we're going to be fixated on that, enamored by that, or classify people according to that. One person had a concern that, that are, are we saying that the real spiritual people are the ones who go out there and are led by the Spirit and have all these testimonies and see all these miracles? And if, if you don't do that, then are you a deficient Christian? Clearly coming from a church that rated people according to certain criteria. Uh, there's no rating in the kingdom. There's no rating, okay? We're in Christ, and, and that's our rating. I st we stand in Christ. Some are, have grown more in some areas, and some are less in other areas, but who's, who's judging who? It's, uh, that's, that's not our, our, our job. And they're aware, and we're aware, that the Spirit works in a myriad of different ways, and there's no reason to classify some over others. You know, God is just as involved as the person who, if, if they're doing out of obedience to, to, to Christ, the, the person who's changing the baby's diaper, uh, poopy, dirty, smelly diaper over there in the children's area is doing a wonderful work of God that is as important as the one who's out there responding to the Spirit out in, in, in the world. Uh, there's no rating system here. And God works through all of, all of us in, in an individual way. He custom designs how he, how he fits into us, if you will, and how he uses us. Because we're all different. No two people are alike, so there's no one way that, 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 that the Spirit looks exactly the same way in all people. It's not one size fits all. He customizes it to your personality and to your experience and, uh, you know, all, all that. It, it, it's unique to you. And so there's no room for comparison here. The only thing that they were saying last weekend, and it's an important one, is that whatever your calling is, whoever you are, whatever your personality is, however God uses you, all of us who are in the body need to be listening to the head. Because a body that doesn't listen to the head has either fallen asleep or been amputated or just got its nerves severed. And I need my whole body to be working if I'm going to be fully functional. And so my toe needs to know when I want it to bend. See, it's still working. 
And so whether you're the toe of the body of Christ or the nose of the body of Christ, or as I once said, and people got offended, the butt hair of the body of Christ. Um, <laughs> I, I, when, I won't say that again. <laughs> editing, editing problem. Uh, but whatever you are in the body of Christ, it's important. All right? And, 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 this, and that means you're listening to the captain who has enlisted us to change metaphors. Um, and the good soldier doesn't become overly preoccupied in civilian affairs, but is always seeking to please his commanding officer. 2 Timothy 2.4, or 1 Timothy 2.4, or some say 1 Timothy 2.4. Um, <laughs> I'm having an editing problem this morning. Uh, but uh, it means we have our walkie-talkie on. That's it. Be, and allow space. If the Holy Spirit interrupts your plans, uh, follow it. I just had a great, I can't get into it, but I had a couple of great testimonies this last week of what happens when people actually did that. So um, here, here's the thing. Be, we all have a map, so be aware of your map. Just, just know that. What you're hearing might not be what is being said. And just be aware of that. Um, and, and it's so important that those of us who come from wounded backgrounds on this, that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's tempting, I will admit that. I have been in Pentecostal services where all wackoness broke loose, and I wanted to just say, I'm out of here. Uh, that'd be easy, but that would be playing into the enemy's agenda. He would love, to, he'd love for you to do just that. The right way to respond to wackoness is not, is not to throw the, the biblical baby truth out with the wacko bathwater. How's that for a metaphor? Uh, <laughs> No, the right way, the right way is, is don't, don't throw a truth with the, the, the distortion of it. Rather, we need to distinguish between truth and the distortion. Just distinguish between that. We need a biblically-based model of, of how to discern what is great Holy Spirit movement. It can look weird, but it's not going to be forced. It's not going to be unnatural. It's not going to be flaky, as opposed to you know, just being dead. Um, we have to find that middle ground between that. What is biblical-based truth, and how do we live that out? And that's what this series is all about. Okay. All right, now I should probably preach a sermon. Oh, my gosh. I have bad editing management this morning and bad time management this morning. Okay, in 17 minutes, all you want to know about the Holy Spirit, but we're too confused to ask. Here we go. Uh, we're just going to lay a foundation here very quick. This will be a review for a lot of folks, probably, maybe not. But for some folks, I'm quite sure it's going to be very new. And so just hold on. Bible truth. Who is the Holy Spirit? Number one. The Holy Spirit is God. Full deity. Some folks think he's a subordinate deity, or at least have thought that throughout history. Some uh, people have thought that uh, he's just sort of the influence of God, like the, the video uh, mentioned. He is God. And there's a lot of ways you can know that in the scripture, but since I'm down to 17 minutes, I will just say, the best way, I think, is that God and Spirit are used interchangeably. Uh, throughout, even in the Old Testament, you find that. Here's one example. Uh, Acts. Uh, Peter is here. Uh, reaming out Ananias. And he says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? In fact, you've not just lied to, to human beings, but to God. Clearly, when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God. Ergo, the Holy Spirit is God. And we see him given divine attributes throughout the New Testament and so on and so on. He's God, which means he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Second point here. He's not like the Star Wars force be with you kind of thing. Uh, it, it, some folks hold, like the Jehovah's Witnesses hold, but I met Christians who hold this, that, that he's sort of the influence of God. He's, he's like electricity. And he affects you, but he, he, he's not himself a person. Doesn't have his own will or mind or anything. Like, uh, 
I could show you a number of passages that ascribe personal attributes to the Holy Spirit, making clear that he is, in fact, a person. Uh, but because I only have 15 minutes left, I'll read uh, one. 1 Corinthians 2, here's, here we read. The Spirit, Paul says, the Spirit searches all things. Electricity doesn't search anything. But the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the, uh, a person's thought except their own spirit within them? So as my spirit is, per, is, is part of the person that I am, so the Holy Spirit is to God. Um, in the same way, he says, no one, he doesn't say nothing, he says no one uses the personal pronoun, uh, knows, he, apparently the spirit knows. Electricity doesn't know anything. The force be with you doesn't know anything. But this spirit knows the, uh, the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So the spirit is a person. He is a, not a uh, nothing. He is a someone. Uh, he knows. He thinks. Other, other passages say that the spirit uh, can be grieved. Let me suppress him. Uh, the, the spirit loves. The spirit speaks. The spirit listens. Uh, so there's all these personal attributes. He guides us. He comforts us. He intercedes for us. Uh, all these, these things a force can't do. So he's, he's a person and he's God, which then brings us to this. The Holy Spirit is a person, is God, and yet he is distinct from the Father and the Son. Um, which raises this whole issue of the Trinity. But you can see this, that he's part of the triune God. By, sometimes he's listed right alongside the Father and Son. So when Jesus sends out his disciples just before he ascends, uh, he says, uh, go forth and baptize, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the parallel there, see, you, it'd be weird to say the Father, Son, and their influence. Or the Father, Son, and their electricity or something. Uh, no, they're all personal ages, and yet they're distinct from one another. They talk to one another. They interact with one another. So the kind of question that, of course, it raises is, how do you have, there's one God, you find that over and over throughout the Bible, there's only one God, and yet we find in the New Testament that the Father is God. Oh, but wait, the Son is God. Oh, look at this, the Holy Spirit is God. How does that work? Well, it's a mystery, so let's move on. <laughs> Ask Paul Eddy. He, he knows this kind of stuff. Find someone who's smart. They'll, they'll figure it out. Look, it, it is a mystery, but it's not, it's not a stupid mystery. Uh, and sometimes Christians, in the name of defending the triune God, make it into a stupid mystery. In the name of defending it, they make it untenable. So a, a pastor that I worked, was assistant to a number of years ago, he went to and preached this message. He says, well, the, the Trinity is actually, the, 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 what's mysterious is that we don't understand the mathematics of heaven. On our realm, one plus one is two, but in heaven, one plus one plus one is one. And I thought, <laughs> who needs a mystery when that's the explanation? It's like, <laughs> there's a difference between a mystery and a contradiction. The very definition, I, I don't want to get into any further. Um, but look at, you know, here's, here's an analogy that it kind of works. And all analogies are like something and not like in other respects. So this is like the Trinity, but unlike in other respects. But think for a moment. Are you thinking? Yeah. Then who's talking and who's listening? Do you ever realize you've, you've got a voice in your head? And, and someone's speaking and someone's listening. Uh, in fact, but yet you're, you're one brain, I hope. One brain. And I hope it's just one voice that you're listening to. <laughs> It's too crowded up there. Get him out. Get him out. Um, there's help for you if that's your issue, but this is in the context. So, uh, and that, in fact, not only is there a voice and a voice listening, but there's a relationship between the two. Like, sometimes, you, you, does it ever happen to you where you're thinking and you, 
You hate, you hate the thought? You know, I, I wish that thought would go away. I wish that, wish that wasn't my image. You really just don't like it. Other times you might love that thought. And, and, and so there's a relationship between the speaker and the listener. Um, and that's, so there's a kind of a threefoldness in you. Your brain is kind of threefold. And we don't know how that is. We don't know how brain, our brains are structured in a way that that can happen. We don't even know what consciousness is. So there's a lot of mystery about that. Uh, and if there's a mystery about just our own little brains, why shouldn't there be a lot of mystery about God? In fact, get this. Everything around us, everything that is real to us, if you think about it, is an incredible mystery. The only reason we don't think it's a mystery is because we stop noticing it. But we are swimming in a sea of mystery. For example, we all agree that time is real. I hope time is real. And yet think about this. Did it begin or not? Really a basic question. If any question about time should be answerable, it should be that. But try to conceive of there being a first moment without a previous moment. Impossible. Try to conceive of there being no, no first moment without a previous moment. It, 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 time never began. It just always was. Always was. Never. Try to conceive of that. Impossible. So it, it either started or it didn't, but both options are utterly inconceivable. Inconceivable. Uh, same thing with space. Does space have a limit or not? Picture it with a limit. Mm, what's one inch outside of that dome? Okay, get rid of the dome. It has no limit. Can you conceive of that? You can't. So limit or not, it's equally inconceivable. And so if the fundamental structure of time and space which we live in, if that's inconceivable, if our own brain is inconceivable, well, then we shouldn't reject the Trinity because it's inconceivable. Or if you're going to reject the Trinity, then reject time and, and, and uh, space as well. Good luck with that one. All right. So God exists in, 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 in three distinct ways. That's what the Doctrine of Trinity is all about. Now, the way the New Testament construes this is basically like this. Uh, the Father is generally associated with God in his transcendence, his out there his otherness, right? Uh, the Son is generally associated with God's uh, revelation to us. Um, he's sort of the face of God. When God turns towards us, it, it, it's the Son. He's the Word of God, the perfect expression of who God is in his essence. So the transcendent Son is re, or Father is revealed through the Son. And then the Holy Spirit, here we come to the important part for us here, is sort of God on the ground, He's God with us. He's God in us. So when I think of the Father, I often think of you know, the infinitude of the stars. When I think of the Son, I think of usually the incarnate Son. And when I think of the Spirit, I think of what we just meditated on. That's God is in us. He's God on the ground. One way to think about this, a real important verse that has been used throughout church history uh, to kind of flesh out what the role that Spirit plays, the way all three persons play in the Trinity, is something like this. In Ephesians 2, we read, Paul says that for through him, Jesus, the Son, through the incarnate Son, we both, and here he's referring to both Jews and Gentiles, which includes all humanity. So we could say we all have access to the Father by one Spirit. We have the incarnate Son, because of the incarnate Son, we have access to the transcendent Father through the imminent Son. Now the way... Uh, the dominant way that the church has worked this out, goes back to the third century, uh, is, is this. Uh, Gregory, Gregory of Nyssa put it this way. Everything about God toward us originates in the Father, comes to us through the Son, and see the motion there, and then grabs us, if you will, in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, who then brings us to the Father through the Son. And you might note that that's a symbol of infinity, because this is who God is within himself, but then in, in, in his relationship with us, who he is in, in, within himself gets, gets unfolded. 
And so we're caught up in the dance of the triune God. The Father, through the Son, it's a picture of salvation like this. The, it, the Father reaches down to us through the Son, who reveals him, grabs us in the power of the Spirit, and then through the power of the Spirit brings us back through the Son to be reconciled to the Father. And in doing this, since he's being exactly the kind of God he is within himself, so we are being enveloped into the dance of the triune God. It's an it, it's a image that works. It, it's a beautiful thing. We're invited. So the Father reveals his character through Jesus, but uh, it's the Holy Spirit then that enables us to see that Jesus is the revelation of the Father. We wouldn't see that otherwise. And the Father reveals his will through Jesus, but it's the Spirit that allows us to see that that is the Father's will and to receive it and to walk in it. Uh, the, the Father reveals um, his, his love through the, 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 the Son, but it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to accept and receive and walk in that love. Uh, the, the, the Father reveals um, his will for us to have a new, one new humanity, creates one new humanity in Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit that enables us, empowers us to manifest that one new humanity, uh, that the reconciliation of all people here on earth. The Father reveals you know, the courage he wants us to have through the Son. But the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us that courage if we will simply yield to it. And so it is with, with all the treasures of heaven. The Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1. So he reveals that all, all those treasures. He places those treasures in Christ Jesus. But it's the Spirit who comes down, creates faith in us towards Christ Jesus, incorporates us into Christ Jesus. So now the Spirit allows us to begin to experience all those treasures, all those blessings, the love, joy, and peace of God. Everything that God has for us originates with the Father, comes through the Son, and is, is applied to us in, in the Holy Spirit. In fact, if it was not for the Holy Spirit, we couldn't have a relationship with God. If it was not for the Holy Spirit, Paul says that we were dead in our sin. Ephesians 2, 1, 2, 5. We weren't just wounded. We weren't just, you know, tainted. We weren't just uh, injured. No, we were dead. Dead people can't do anything. We were helpless in our estrangement from God. Um, but the Father, through the Son, and the power of the Spirit, has come and rescued us and saved us. And so it, it is the Spirit who enables us to believe. We couldn't have faith on our own. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2.8 says. Uh, it, it's the Spirit that allow, it, it empowers us to have faith. It's the Spirit that makes us desire God. It's the Spirit that makes us even believe in God. It's the Spirit that, that makes us want to walk in the ways of God, want to accept the courage that God wants to give us, want to, want, it enables us to uh, uh, manifest the one new humanity that the Father's plan is for us to have. Everything that we have before God, it originates in the Holy Spirit, not ourselves. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't coerce us, uh, it doesn't force us, that, that wouldn't involve any, any love. But he comes under us, he initiates the process, brings us back to life. And then if we will yield to it now, now he empowers us with all, in all the ways that, 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 that God wants us to be empowered. If we yield to him, he gives us the love that God is and helps us experience the, the true God in the person of Jesus Christ. It all is from the Holy Spirit. So folks, if you find yourself actually loving people and loving God and wanting to do his will and believing in the things of God, uh, don't pat yourself on the back. You don't say, well, I'm a pretty good Christian there. Look what I just did. I just fed some people. <laughs> Thank you, me. Hallelujah. No. Give thanks to the Holy Spirit who enabled you to do that. If the Spirit didn't enable you to do that, you wouldn't be doing that. It's all grace. It's all grace. He, grace doesn't force, but grace enables us to do what God wants us to do and be who he wants us to be if we will yield to him. It's all grace. Beginning to end, it's all grace. And it's all grace that's applied to us by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's all about. Now, um, here's the thing. What those things all have in common, and now I am, I don't care, go down there if you want. Uh, I'm almost done anyway, so there, 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 how's that? Uh, what, what all these things? I don't care. 
what all they, what all they have in common is, is this. The Spirit, though it has a lot of different, different flavors and appears in a lot of different ways, he's always pointing us to Jesus. That's his main function. Uh, and so, I got three minutes. I want to ask for a little bit of grace right now. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit's grace is to us. Why can't this truth be to me? Go. So here's what Jesus says, John 15. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. This is Jesus talking. His job is to testify about me. And then another place, he says, but when he, the, Holy, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his, uh, of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This humility, this characterizes God from all over the place. They're not, Father, Son, Spirit, they don't compete with one another. His job is to not point to himself, but to point away. He'll glorify me, Jesus says, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit is, he, he, among other things, he manifests the humility of God perfectly. He's always pointing away from himself. He doesn't want the attention to be on him. This is why, by the way, you find, while you sometimes find Father, Son, and Spirit together at one time, um, you frequently only find Father and Son. And some have drawn the conclusion that, well, that must be because the Holy Spirit is less important than the Father and the Son. And may I just say, in my humble opinion, that that's a load of nonsense. Uh, I am editing it. Uh, so it, the thing is, so some have likened the Holy Spirit to this. The Holy Spirit is like the person who's in charge of taking pictures at a party. All right? So if you look back and find all these folks that are there, but the one person you won't see among them is the person who's taking the pictures, even though they were part of the party. My wife has sometimes got a little upset because we look back on old pictures of the kids and stuff. And See, I never think about having a camera. And back in those days, we didn't have uh, cameras on our phone. Um, and so we look back at these pictures and you see a lot of pictures of the kids and a, quite a few with me and the kids, but much less you see Shelly with the kids because she was always the one taking the pictures. And so it's not that she's unimportant. In fact, she's more important because she was humble enough to do this job even though it meant that she'd be not in the pictures. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. He's always saying, look at that. Look at the Father revealed in the Son. Look at the Father revealed in the Son. And because it's, it's now the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us, we can know the Father through the Son much better than they could when Jesus was walking around here on earth. Because now it's his Spirit that dwells within us. And he's always saying, look at them, look at them, look at them. Uh, the humble member of the Trinity. I'll say one final thing, and that's this. The main way, and I want to have time to read the scripture, but uh, the main way that the Spirit points us to Jesus in a myriad different ways, whether we're, we're, he's calling us to live like Jesus and bear witness to Jesus by our life, or whether he's going to point us to Jesus in some other way, the, the main way is through our imagination. This is the inner sanctum, as the church is always contact. The contact place where the things of God that come from the Father through the Son get applied to us by the Spirit. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians when he compares uh, believers with non-believers in terms of what they can see in their mind. I encourage you to read it. Uh, for 2 Corinthians 3, 15, all the way through 4, 6. Um, he, he, he draws this analogy from Moses who had a veil over his face. And he says, to this day, when those non-believers read the, the Old Testament, the, their minds are blinded. Uh, they, 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 they can't, they, they have a veil over their minds just as Moses had to put a veil over his face to keep the glory of God from blinding people. Uh, but he says, when someone turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. So they now can see what the non-believers couldn't see. And what they see is the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. So he says, and we all with unveiled faces as we behold the glory of God, now that the veil is removed, the Spirit has removed the veil, 
And now, now that that's unveiled, we all can behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. As, as we look at the beauty of Christ, which the Spirit empowers us to do, which the Spirit frees us to do, uh, we're transformed in that image. So note how important this is. This is the key to being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's not how hard you're going to try, how much work you're going to put into it, how much elbow grease you're going to put into it, what kind of self-help book you read, or whatever. It's simply spending time to look at Jesus in your mind, which we call our imagination, to let the Spirit empower you to see the beauty of Christ. And when you see the beauty of his love for you, you become more loving. And when you see the, the, the beauty of him dancing over, with joy over you, you become more, a more joyful person. And when you see, demonstrated, when Jesus says it to you, when you hear it and see it in his eyes and you hear it in his voice and sense it in his hug, that's when you begin to, all the things he has by nature become yours by grace. You become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful. Um, so it's crucial that we surrender our imaginations over to, to uh, the Spirit. So many people have this abstract belief. True beliefs, but true beliefs don't impact you. They're just ab abstract information. What you need is to, to experience the reality of Jesus, just as they did 2,000 years ago. But now it's more, more profound because with the Spirit involved, you, you get to know his character more profoundly. And um, that, that's what transforms us from one degree of glory to another. So I encourage us to spend regular time. Make dates with Jesus. Because if you don't put it on the calendar, you're probably not going to do it, right? That's how it works in this world. Uh, we're all too busy. But make a date. Maybe once a week, maybe once a month, every night preferably. And uh, just do it enjoying Jesus. Enjoying Jesus, enjoying you. Uh, and see it concretely and vividly. Ask the, Spirit, ask the Spirit to really bring you the real Jesus. And hang out together. Talk. That's where some great healing can happen, by the way. I talk about that a lot more in the book called Seeing is Believing, if you want to go deeper with that. But I encourage us to make those kind of dates. And then I encourage us, as we're walking throughout our life, keep, be aware of your imagination, because that is where the Spirit, that is our inner sanctum. That's where the Spirit meets us and reveals things to us. That's where you might feel a nudge, or you might see a picture, or you might, you know, hear a voice telling you, don't go right, go left, because there's a person down there who could really use your love. So be, walk with a wakefulness about what's going on between your ears and in your heart. Amen. Let's stand, and I'll just give it a quick close. God is in you. Say, God is in us. Yes. Say, God is in me. Yes. Say, with Christ, all things are possible. Yes. Go out and believe that and practice it in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Love you.